Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I welcome you to join me this week as we continue our journey of faith through the reading of the Bible. In the church, the beginning of Holy Week, the week before Easter, serves a dual purpose. It is both Palm Sunday, where we hear of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and the Sunday of the Passion, where Passion refers to Jesus' death and suffering. Charles Dickens' The Tale of Two Cities begins, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. And so goes the last week of Jesus' life. As our story begins, Jesus was, as we might say in modern terms, at the height of his game. Jesus had gained a large following as he toured the area near the Sea of Galilee, preaching teaching, and healing. But now he travels to Jerusalem to take his message of healing and his teachings to the center of the Jewish faith and worship. Let's listen to how the Gospel writer Mark describes his reception there. When Jesus and his disciples were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been written. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, Some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread out leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. For a thousand years, the people of Israel had been waiting for a return to the golden age of power and prosperity, which they had enjoyed under the rule of King David. The intervening millennium had been filled with turmoil and disaster, as the nation served as a pawn of the more powerful nation-states around them, ending with their current subjugation to Rome. Jesus, they believed, was the promised king, the Messiah, who would lead them back to glory people were jubilant. They were also playing with fire. 
This supposed king riding on a donkey rather than a war horse was a mockery of royal power. They already had a king, Herod, who was subservient to Rome. In challenging him, they challenged Rome, the greatest power on earth. They risked bringing a brutal put-down to their rebellion upon themselves. The mockery didn't last for long. Jesus celebrated a Passover meal with his disciples, and they were undoubtedly caught up in all the excitement. They thought they were witnessing the beginning of God's reign on earth. But instead, at that meal, Jesus warned them that this would be their last meal with them together. He rightly predicted that he would be betrayed by one of them sharing the bread and wine at his table. And later that night, after Jesus had agonized over his fate in the Garden of Gethsemane, his disciple Judas betrayed him to the authorities. He was arrested, spent the night in a dungeon. The best times were over. Now, for the worst times, as Mark continues his story. Chapter 15 As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes of the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. So Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that the priests had stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas instead. Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him! Pilate asked them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole cohort, and they clothed him in a purple cloak. And after twisting some thorns into a crowd, they put it on him. Then they began saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed and spat on him, and knelt down and paid homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes back on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross, it was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, 
casting lots to decide which should take it. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, and shaking their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He can't save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified him, with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land, until three in the afternoon. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave out a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was God's son. There were also some women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Josie and Salome. These used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee. There were many other women uh, who had come with them to Jerusalem. When evening had come, and since it was the day of the preparation, that is, the day of the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked him for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph brought a linen cloth and, taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in the tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joses, saw where the body was laid. Here ends the reading. This is not a happy story to tell, for what's the most important week in the life of the church and the Christian faith? It's a story of betrayal and death. It's a story of abandonment. It's not just a story of a betrayal. It's a story of many betrayals. The first and most obvious betrayal was that of Judas Iscariot. For 20 pieces of silver, he betrays Jesus with a kiss to indicate to the soldiers his identity in the garden. Various reasons have been given for this betrayal. The obvious one is greed. He wanted the money and perhaps the favor of a powerful elite. But it's also possible that he betrayed Jesus in order to force the issue and get Jesus 
to act and display his power. Either way, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own followers and ended up being arrested and thrown into the dungeon to await trial. The next in line to betray him was Peter, his right-hand man. Jesus had told him that he was going to leave the church in his hands after he died. Yet after Jesus is arrested, Peter denies him. He denies even knowing him out of fear for his own life. He fulfills Jesus' prediction that he would betray him three times before the cock crowed twice. Peter's betrayal is an example of a failure of courage. Jesus is betrayed by the leaders of his own Jewish faith in Jerusalem. They had constantly been trying to trip him up and get him arrested. They brought false charges against him. They knew that Jesus' teachings were true to their faith. However, they didn't want to risk losing favor with the Romans and in the process lose their political power. They brought him before the Romans and had him tried. And remember those crowds that were cheering Jesus on the day before he entered the city? Where were they now? None came to stand up for him. Many probably hid at home. When given the chance to release Jesus instead of the real criminal Barabbas, those present opted to chant, Crucify him! And the reluctant Pilate gives in to their will. Then they stood at the foot of the cross and jeered and mocked him as he suffered and died. The final betrayal is the most stinging of all. As he's about to die on the cross, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the last moment of his life, Jesus feels abandoned by God. So finally he cries out in anguish, takes his last breath. This was the worst of times, not only for Jesus and to his followers, but for all of us. We had crucified the Lord. Why even repeat such a gruesome tale? This is the material from which nightmares are made. We tell this story because it's true. We may experience many good times in life. We may accomplish much and enjoy great pleasure. Our lives can be filled with friends and people who love us. For years and years, we will also face disappointment and betrayal. Our best friends may turn against us. We may even feel that we've been abandoned by God. And stories all end the same. Our journeys end in the silent darkness of the tomb. Emily Dickinson, in her poem, Because I Could Not Stop for Death, sums it up well. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. The carriage held but just ourselves in immortality. We slowly drove, he knew no haste, and I had to put away my labor and my leisure too for his civility. We passed the school where children strove at recess. In the ring, we passed the fields of gazing grain. We passed the setting sun. 
or rather, he passed us. The dews drew quivering and chill, for only gossamer my gown, my tippet only tool. We passed before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. The roof was scarcely visible, the cornice in the ground. Since then, tis centuries, and yet feel shorter than the day, I first surmised the horses' heads were toward eternity. This story must be told. Holy Week is not pessimistic. It's realistic. This week we must share in Jesus' abandonment and death. We must follow him all the way to the tomb so that he can show us the only way to salvation, the submission to our fate, just as he submitted. Our path cannot avoid the tomb. It goes through it. But stay tuned. Don't look away. This is not the end of the story. Next week begins with Easter, and that is the eternal best of times that is yet to come. Amen.